Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. How's everybody doing out there? It's David O'Brien, Braves writer at the Athletic. I'm with uh, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. Eric's back from Maui, man. Eric, uh, you want to briefly uh, comment on that? How has it taken a few days just to get your your bearings, man? Just to Get back to earth. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, we were we were pretty fortunate not to not to have been any closer than we were. But yeah, I mean, it's just devastating what's going on there, and it's it just continues to get worse as more information comes out. You were a couple of miles north at uh, at the west end there, right? That's what you said. Yeah, and I was actually I was down there in Lahaina at the grocery store about an hour before the fire broke out, and Oh shit! What's so terrible about it is it's just there was no, there was really no, you know, warning. But there also it didn't look like anything was about to happen. You know, I mean, it was windy, but yeah, it, they'd had a fire earlier in the day that was supposedly put out, and I mean, I didn't have any fear, or you know, my my senses weren't alarmed, and you know, next thing you know, an hour later, the whole town's an inferno. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, they said none of that, none of the alarms, none of the uh, sirens that they had, the system, none of it went off. And um, why would you expect something like that? You're on, you're on Maui. You're in paradise. The last thing in the world is you're, you're not thinking, okay, all that stuff's really dry. It's a tinderbox. And if a spark, you know, you don't think that. And all those buildings, they're so old. Behind are all wooden. Yeah, they're old. I don't think they had, you know, I don't think they were built with the code of firewalls. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably most of them probably don't even have sprinkler systems for all, you know, not that it would have really helped in this situation. It seems like, you know, once they, uh, once one of them, a couple of them went, went up, it was just like, it's like starting a fireplace. I mean, there's, they're all, they're, they're all connected, you know, it's just like. Yeah. I mean, you add 60 mile an hour winds to it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was just, we drove, we drove through on our way out and it was just, I mean, it's the worst thing I've ever looked at. Yeah. I mean, it, Everything that was there was just ash. I, I just can't even imagine yeah, that. That's such a beautiful was was such a beautiful little town. I've stayed there a couple of times, and wow, it's just. Anyway, um, well, man, we're all uh, obviously very happy, glad for you that you guys didn't have to endure any more than you did, and uh, it's just devastating the lives of all those people. Uh, lives ruined, if not you know, snuffed out entirely, but, uh, just horrible. Um, anyway, back to, uh, fun and games, uh, with the Braves. Um, there's no easy way to do a transition there, but, uh, you know, I was just thinking, I was thinking, uh, watching the game yesterday, how when the Braves have a mediocre game, like, like free just wasn't, he's not at his best. He's not at his sharpest yet. 
And Philly yeah, almost yeah. has a quality start. He goes five and two thirds. But they lose four to three. And I was just thinking how high the bar is for this team when there's that sense. And I totally get it. I, I, I you know, the feeling that people have when they lose a game and they don't finish a sweep against a playoff contender, a good team like the Giants. The Giants aren't world beaters, but they're good. I mean, they're, they're yeah. contending for a wild card spot. But when they don't finish a sweep, they lose one game at a, a five-game homestand streak or seven-game home winning streak ends. It feels so disappointing. <laughs> That's where yeah. this team is, though. That's how great this team is or how damn good they are. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like that watching some of the players, too. Like when Acuna has a 0 for game, which doesn't happen much, or you know, they don't get any homers or you only score two runs. It's like the bar's been set so ridiculously high that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're so they're so damn good, and the whole league knows it that it's hard to even set an expectation for them at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the offense is just uh, a game like yesterday. They usually win, even with you know a relatively modest or mediocre pitching performance. But that hurt when uh, Yates came in. He just his command was just gone. You know, that inning was just terrible. And when you give up a run that late. You can't always expect your guys, your your hitters, to answer, you know, against a good pitcher in the next inning when you give up a run in the in the bottom of the eighth like that, to, to, or the top of the ninth like that. It's uh, yeah, he, and he, and the, what makes it so much harder, obviously, so much worse, is when you do it without even giving up a hit. You know, yeah. you walk the guy, yeah. hits two guys, walks the guy with the bases loaded. That's just kind of like, yeah, you know, that's just that day you don't have it, and you know, I mean, as a reliever, a lot of days your number doesn't get called on those days, but on those ones that you do wind up in the game, I mean, you, he did a good job battling cause he, he, he really had no control and almost found his way out of it. But those are some of the toughest games you ever pitch. And that's kind of where Yates is right now. I mean, most days uh, he's, he's back with his stuff. It's almost where it was before, you know, his, his, uh, latest surgery. Um, but at his age, and coming off all those injuries, he's still going to have, he's still not the guy that he once was where he's, he had a couple of seasons where he was arguably the best closer in baseball. And he's not going to be that right now, but, uh, he's most days lately, he's been real solid for them. Would I want him to be one of my two or three top high leverage guys at the end of a game? No, but he's pretty damn good to have as one of your, you know, down the line kind of bullpen guys. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Snit's going to have to make that decision when you get, you know, down to end of the season, especially in the postseason, who are, and when you have days of rest in the postseason, who are those three or four key relievers you're going to go to when you absolutely have to, to finish a game? And I don't know that he's one of those. Pierce Johnson, to me, is moving into that category because he's been yeah, so he's, good. I think uh, Sid does a good job of, of giving guys these moments to, you know, if he works out of that inning yesterday and yeah. then you Again, in those big situations, it's kind of like they have such a big lead. You can afford to um, kind of give guys almost tryouts in super high leverage situations like right. that. And then on top of that, you know, if he if he hits a guy and walks a guy and he gets yanked yesterday, you don't find anything out about him. But they have yeah. the chance now to get answers on what's this guy going to do. Bases loaded with the game on the line, and and that that information is really important when you're not just picking your your playoff guys, you know, your roster. But who you're bringing in and what situations in the playoffs, and they're they're fortunate to have that luxury. 
Yeah, and I think there's a big difference between that and punting a game. Like some say, he's waving a white flag there, or he's just sacrificing no, he's the game. That's not what he's doing. This is not. He's, he wants an answer on what happens in that situation with this guy. Right. Right. You know, yeah, th- 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 this is not bringing in a, a crappy reliever in the ninth inning or having a you know a guy go two or three innings when he maybe is it, it doesn't have it left and that kind of thing. This is him trying out, like you said, one of his guys that has the potential to be a high leverage guy. You know, and and and, he almost, and like I said, he almost got out of it. So yeah, and that's how you you know that's how you work your way into these roles typically as a reliever, even if you struggle early in the season. Manager yeah. pays attention who's throwing the ball really well in those lower leverage situations and you slowly get these little auditions to see if it it can transfer you know are you just throwing well because there's no pressure or can you handle big moment and you slowly work your way into those and then all of a sudden i mean it happened for me throughout my career like 2009 bobby started throwing me in some big situations you know i wasn't Uh a setup man or a closer but i continued to succeed in those and then the next year you get a few more and it, it happens throughout the season, too. Um, it only takes, you know, it takes one game like this, though, to kind of set yourself back where, yeah, you know, next next time Iglesias or somebody is down, it's probably not going to be you. Yeah. And he said afterwards, he said, you know, that most of the time I'm able to make adjustments in, within the game like he used to be able to do that all the time. And yeah. he can't all the time. T- and this t- this day was one of those days where he just couldn't do it. He couldn't find it. Thought yeah. he found it, but then it went away again. He said, "You know, the feel for his command." He said he thought he thought he had it. Then it went away. Then he thought he got it, and it went away again. So, but anyway, um, while I'm thinking about it, Matt Olson, uh, who is now t- what tied for the major for, for the home run lead with Shohei, he's got 43. Olson's been one, two, three, four, five, six days without a home run, which for him is a lot. Bit. Yeah. He had three and three homers and six RBIs in the previous three games. But anyway, tonight, while I'm thinking about it, your hot tip of the day on <laughs> betting anonymous here is uh, Bracer facing David Peterson, the Mets. Olsen against Peterson, I just noticed this. I was looking this up while ago, is three for 11 with three home runs in his career. How about that? Mm. It's not bad. Three for 11 with three home runs, eight RBIs, two walks, and four strikeouts. No lefty. Uh, Matt Olson. And what Acuna is three for 15 with a homer off him. Braves, Braves have two guys with the high, most pl- uh, plate appearances against Peterson of anybody. Uh, that's Acuna and Riley, each with 20 plate appearances against him. Riley, Riley is eight for 18 with three doubles against him. So there you go. It's a good matchup. Good matchup. Um, and he's going to be facing, Peterson is going to be facing Alan Winans, which I'm really eager to see him again. Be his third start, first home start, and his second consecutive start against the Mets, the team that did not protect him, when all it would have taken was to put him on their AAA roster a couple of years ago before the Rule 5 draft. They didn't even have a spot on that 36-man AAA roster. And the Braves poached him for what twenty four thousand five hundred dollars, and he right now looks like a legitimate candidate for the Braves next year, assuming he doesn't get traded or whatever. He's a pitcher's pitcher. He doesn't throw. He throws ninety one, but he's got four pitches and locates really well. Good movement, change of speeds, and uh, I mean, 
He's uh, really calm. He's got good numbers, had good numbers in the minors, really good numbers, including the year that the Mets didn't protect him at a sub-2 ERA as a reliever, one seven some ERA as a reliever. So, I mean, and, and he's not up there, and it's not like he doesn't strike out anybody. He does. He had, you know, it, so far against the, the Brewers and Mets, he's been dynamite. That that first game of that doubleheader in New York, he was really sharp, man. It was impressive. Yeah, he's got good stuff, and he knows how to pitch. It's just, it, it goes back to, you know, teams value velocity so much now. Yep. Um, yep. That if he put up the exact same numbers, I say it all the time about guys, but it's like you see guys pitch and you're like, if this guy, if the radar gun just lied and said it was 98 and they put up the exact same numbers, you know, they make yep. an all-star team or, or, or they're getting more coverage or they get more opportunities. But it's not like you can't, it, you know, I think you see it, especially even with Elder. It's not like you can't pitch in this league with 91, 92 if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and he's got a really good changeup, which he's thrown just uh, slightly, the uh, percentage-wise, the most, the pitch that he's thrown the most. So, but he really, you know, the change of speed is the thing with him and um, and locating to both sides of the plate. And, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if he can do it again. Facing the same team, sometimes that's hard for some guys. Some guys like it, but I think hitters generally like it, you know, if, if, as long as you're not facing, you know. Well, hitters, I think it always favors the hitters. Right. Yeah, I do too. I, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is all, and this will be the second time he's faced him in nine days. So he faced him on that yeah. Saturday, faced him again tonight. So if he does it again tonight, it's going to be really impressive. If he can do the same thing he did or something close that he did up in 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 New York, their lineup. It was the first game of the doubleheader. It was a really uh, bad lineup, but but uh, you know. He's, he's liable to not face one that's much better tonight. I mean, that's where the Mets are right now, putting a lot of guys and uh, trying some guys out, filling in for some injured dudes. But uh, it'll be a little bit better lineup than he faced in the first game of that doubleheader. Somebody asked, Jack Jack B. asked for a Kyle Wright update. The reason there hasn't been any Kyle Wright updates is because he hasn't started his rehab assignment yet. And Snit, uh, other than we know he's in Florida facing hitters in the complex league, but there aren't any stats to, to give you on facing hitters down there. And yeah. Snit's the last guy to entertain a lot of questions about, you know, how a guy's doing. I mean, until you get some tangible results and he can ask the manager, well, how did he look in that rehab assign or that rehab start last night or whatever? There's just nothing there to update you on. You know, we don't have any video of how he's doing now facing hitters. I guess it's a good sign that they haven't shut him down. He hasn't had any setbacks as far as we know. So, but until he gets out and starts making a couple of rehab starts, there's really not going to be an update. You know, the, the good thing is he's down there pitching. They, they sent him down there to face hitters. So that's a big step. And once they get him up, I mean, he's kind of running out of time. He's going to be mid-September now that before you could, even if they, even if they, you know, don't build him to say five innings, if they just build him up, try to get, you know, four innings out of him, uh, or even potentially use him as a long reliever. He's still going to have to make a few rehab rehab starts before he gets back. So I would say mid September is the earliest potentially. Um, and, yeah, and, and I haven't heard anything about relieving so far as an option. Well, those have to be good starts too. You know, if if I'm making decisions, yeah. because it's I mean it's it, I, you could be just throwing the ball. I mean, you got good eyes on him in the minor league uh, rehab games and stuff, and they could give you good feedback, but. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to expect anything out of him this late in the season because it just takes like, look at Max. Max came back and was just disgusting his first game, and then he's had a couple 
other starts since, you know, but it takes a minute when you come back from yeah. the, from the IL and, and make a few starts. It's like you, your first one could be good. Then you could hit a little lull, you know, it's hard to really get a read on how they'd be able to use them at this point. And same thing with, yeah, I mean, you go pitch in those rookie ball games. It's like guys just see a big league. They see the big league pants and they start doing shit they wouldn't normally do. Um, uh-huh. they're, they're swinging early in the count. Even as as a pitcher yourself, you you know how you feel, but you can't really tell how your stuff is against lower level minor league guys because the approaches are so much different. I would say if he if he had a pretty good couple Triple um, A starts and then got activated and pitched well, you know, that'd give me confidence to put him on the playoff roster. But if he's shaky at all, yeah, yeah, I mean, you kind of got to roll with what you got and what you've been seeing all year. Yeah, and uh, and there's also that potential of you remember I keep going back to 2021 when they ended up uh, when they were really you know they had a, a series of injuries and they end up in the having a couple of bullpen games in the World Series had started rookies starts Tucker Davidson Dylan Lee they had bullpen games in the NLCS and the World Series you know they're not in that situation this year at all but. No. Uh, but you could be in a situation where – and Kyle Wright was one of those guys that came up that yep. year and had those big innings in that World Series game after uh, yep. Tucker Davidson, I think it was, didn't get out of the first inning. Well, Kyle could be in a situation now where he makes a couple of rehab starts and say they they, they – assuming they advance out of the first round, he could continue facing, you know, in, in, whether it's a sim game or inner squad or whatever and to keep building if they wanted to and activate him for the second round if, that, if it came to that. Just saying, yeah. there, there's things you can do with him if uh, if he doesn't get back quite as soon as if you're not quite ready to activate him. If you want him to have, you know, say one more game facing live hitters. Yeah, and I mean, if he's throwing the shit out of the ball, but he's not quite built up, that's a great role to throw him in. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Freak, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we kind of got, uh, you, you get your expectations so high on Max when he comes back because, you know, you're thinking he's missed three months. It's going to take a while for him to get back. And then he goes out and faces the Cubs yeah. in that first game back. And he was just, it was vintage Max Freed. He was incredible that game. He had eight strikeouts, no walks, six scoreless innings, give up three hits. David Ross was talking about him afterwards. He pitched like an ace. He was, he was throwing a kitchen yeah. sink at everybody. So you get, you know, okay, he's back. He's not even going to take a transition period. But I think that kind of, uh, it set unrealistic expectations because the first, the next game against the Pirates at, at Pittsburgh, you know, five days later, he, he only goes four innings, gives up six hits, four runs, uh, hit a guy, walked a guy. 
The game after that, he's much better uh, against the Yankees. He goes six innings, gives up eight hits, two runs, one walk, two only two strikeouts, though. And then he goes yesterday, and he just never seemed like he was that uh, the typical Max Fried dominant form that's hot as hell out there. The Yankees game, it was really hot, and he said the heat had bothered him. He, you know, he wasn't. He's not used, to not acclimated yet. He's been watching games in the air conditioning while he's rehabbing. You know, watching other guys pitch. So he was really that was hot, that was hot and steamy that Yankees game, and uh, so much so that he cut his hair really short for the first time in a while before that game yesterday. And while it wasn't quite as hot yesterday, it was hot. It was a day game, and um, you know, it just didn't seem like he it, it, it was himself most of the way. He had a he had he kept going to a doing something with the, with his finger against his jersey, and the broadcasters there was a fear that it was a blister because he's had that problem in the past. He kept going to his wiping his finger on his jersey uh, or on his undersleeve, but on the opposite arm. But it turns out he had a little cut, but it was on the top of the finger, and it wasn't really it wasn't really touching the ball. So that's a big that's a big uh, plus that it wasn't a blister. Yeah, but I think they really really need him to be himself, you know, to go deep this year. But this is what you see, you know, this is why when guys come back, it's, there's, it's like hitters in April are way different than hitters in July. They've been seeing it for five months. You know, it's anytime you, you're, anytime you miss a bunch of time during the season, you're playing catch up. And sometimes that first start back, you just have this extra focus and adrenaline, but that only takes you so far. Um, I think by, I mean, he's got a whole nother month and whatever, 10 days to, to really lock in. And I think he'll be there, but this is the typical, like come back from the DL and get that late start type of just inconsistency that happens. Yeah. He should still have like, you know, five, six more, five more starts. I mean, plenty of yeah. time to really get it together. And, uh, the good thing is the arm strength is there. He threw, uh, 103 pitches yesterday. That's a high yeah. since uh, since since before the injury. So he's gone from seventy two to seventy nine to eighty three to one hundred and three pitches. You know, in extreme heat, a couple of those. So uh, and and been healthy. So that's that's the good news on that. Um, yeah. what somebody said? Do you think Robert said? Do you think we see Soroka at all this year? Had three really good starts. Had three really good starts. Are you talking about Triple A? Because he didn't have three really good ones up here. Um. He's had a couple of last good, last couple ones that uh, AAA have been good, really good, good to really good. Um, I do think we see him again. The, t- the reason he's not pitching tonight is because it was Winans' turn. Per- worked out perfectly, and frankly, Winans in his two starts has pitched better than Soroka did in his in his opportunities up here. So, and it's against the Mets again, who Winans pitched so well against. So, I know there's, I, I understand because we all love Soroka. We always, we all want to see the dude make it back all the way back, and, and and you know, the quicker the better. But I think there's some bias in a lot of in a lot of cases where people evaluate guys, and they're saying, "Well, why isn't he getting this opportunity over this guy?" You know, they're not looking at it without emotion. They're just, uh, and, and that's not what. And the Braves have to look at it without emotion and take the yeah, guy. They do a great job at that, and a lot of teams don't. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of teams that would be committed to this being our guy and, and wanting him to be somebody he's not ready to be yet. Um, but I think they've done a good job of just not being biased and, and playing the hot hands all year. Yeah, and um, and he came out the other day after four and two-thirds innings and only 73 pitches, I think it was. Yeah, it was 73. Had a really good start. Um, gave up a couple runs late, a, ho- a solo homer, but he pitched. I knew somebody was at that game. 
said he, he was really impressive. Uh, I guess a good Durham team that's been hot. So he came out after four and two thirds. And of course, I was like, well, okay, was there something wrong? And I asked and uh, was told it was no. The Braves are just monitoring his innings. Because you yeah. forget, the guy's only, the guy pitched less than 40 innings over the last three years combined. Yeah. So you can't just assume he's going to be ready to go out there and pitch 150, 175 innings this year. And they don't want to risk that. So that that's a good sign, though, as far as are they are they counting on him down the stretch? If they didn't care, you know, if they were just going to let him reach a, a limit and then shut him down for the year, then they wouldn't be worried about monitoring his innings to such a degree right now. So that means that means they are looking at him as a viable option down the stretch and into the postseason. Yeah, when it when it clicks and he gets back to where he needs to be, it's going to be impressive. And you know, he might be a lot like Acuna's first year back from from injury, where you're just not quite the, that same guy, but you put the work in, learn some things, and next year could be a huge year for him. And if he locks in this year and gets gets you know gets himself going and and gets gets the pitch in September and and shows him something, I mean. You're right. They're saving those innings to where he could potentially get a postseason start or be a, a, in the bullpen or do, you know, fill a lot of roles for him. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's this year in his six games, five starts with the Braves at the big league level. He's got a 5 5 2 ERA, 29 and 30 innings. The hits is what's really kind of stood out. He's not been, and he's given up a lot of hits 32 hits in the 29 innings, including seven homers. 23 strikeouts, 11 walks. Those are not good numbers, but he's had flashes where he looked really good. And the numbers down in the minor leagues have been obviously much better, especially lately. And let's see, this: the last three, again, the guy said he's had three great starts, uh, three really good starts, and, and I'm looking at the last three. And, yeah, good to very good. They're right. Not not anything that just blows your doors off, but 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 very good. He said he went five innings, gave up uh, four hits, one run, four walks, eight strikeouts. I wouldn't classify that as a very good start, but you know, one run, five innings, eight strikeouts. Then he went seven innings, gave up. This was a great start. Seven innings, three hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, seven scoreless innings. That's a great that start. On, yeah, that was August twelfth, and then the last one. Four and two thirds innings, three hits, two runs, no walks again, nine strikeouts. So that's seventeen strikeouts, one walk in eleven and two thirds innings over his last two AAA starts. Only three, only six hits and two runs allowed. So that would be uh, that's definite progress when you look at his number, the trends over the over the season there. So we'll see. I mean, he's trending in the right direction, obviously, and I think we're going to see him up here. They're using those guys. Um, you know, they get a limit of five times. They can send him down in, in an option year now. He's at three. And so they're, they're also taking that into account. And I would think they're going to get to four or five with him because I think they'll bring him up again. They're using those guys to give their regular starters extra day of rest. Like right now, using Winans in this start on top of using Torino's this weekend. And with the off days he had last Thursday and another one this Thursday, what it effectively does is just gives you uh, two extra days rest to come. These guys are pitching them one every seven days with six days rest for uh, Elder going tonight and then Charlie going Tuesday. Or I'm sorry, Wines goes tonight, then Elder going Tuesday. Charlie's going Wednesday. They'll have a full week. That's six days rest between starts. 
And then Strider, same thing when he opens the Giant Series out in San Francisco on Friday. That that gives him two extra days rest too. So, because if you look at their num- the innings, you know, none none is up around 170. But nobody is right now in today's game. And 175 innings in today's game is the new 200, 220. And yeah. those guys, all three of those guys, are top 15 in the National League in innings pitched. Yeah, I mean, and that could. Who knows how much that pays off if if you're. <laughs> pitching in late October. Yeah, I mean, and, and Max, obviously, you know, he's not because he missed so much time, but uh, they're the being careful with him for obvious reasons. But, I mean, Strider, you look at last year, he's going to be, he's going to go past his, uh, his, la- his career high innings total from last year easily. Uh, same thing with, with Elder, easily go past it. And Charlie's going to end up, you know, he's 39 years old and, He's, he's, he's among the league leaders in innings too. So you want all those guys, you're planning for a deep run into the, in the postseason and you can add another 25 to 30 innings for those guys in the postseason. So if a guy's already passed his career high innings, you know, with, with some, with a few weeks left in the regular season, that's something you've got to be conscious of. And that's why they're doing it. That's why you see it. Torino's make another start uh, Saturday when nobody wanted to see him do that. Brace fans. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And why you're seeing Winus come up again? Because you got a guy with the options, you can do that. And in Winus' case, you didn't even have to use an option for his last start when he uh, when he came up to face the mess because he was the 27th man, which is also why he didn't have to stay down for the minimum option period uh, when he went back down. He's coming back up, you know, eight days later because of uh, the 27th man rule. Uh, let's see. We had uh, we had Michael Harris missed uh, a start yesterday after fouling a ball off his foot. That's nothing serious. He had X-rays. That's just painful, man. It can be painful at times, especially for a speed guy. He's a really tough dude, and most guys would have came out of the game. It happened early in the game, but that's also one of those things that can feel a lot worse after the game, and especially the next morning than it did when it happened. When you had all that adrenaline going, and you kept moving, kept running. Yeah, once you stop moving, it's normally when you feel those impact <laughs> injuries you know it's like if you sit down for a while or you wake up the next morning and i mean there's there's absolutely zero reason for him to try to push through something that could hamper the way he moves yeah yeah it's and it's and it's the case and it's also a day a, a way to get those guys out of the lineup for a day a day of rest because none of them want that <laughs> ever so you know when you have when you have something like this uh, a relatively minor incident it gives you a, a chance to to really give a guy a day off when when maybe a mental day off can can help them even if they none of them want that they all insist they want to play every day and most of them you know their infielders all are until as got hurt so um and rc had the earlier il stint but the other guys i wouldn't wouldn't expect to see them come out of the lineup at all uh eddie rosario man how about a little resurgence from eddie rosario every time everybody's kind of ready to write him off he had people complaining at the trade deadline when they didn't improve left field Every time he he uh, he has the ability to really heat up, like just flip a switch and and just carry the offense for or have or have a couple of huge hits like he's had, um, and and you got to feel good about it, especially in big games about the postseason because we saw it from him in the postseason twenty one, and you got to like where he's at now coming coming around. He's really uh, he's really had some good abs, and it's not hurting you in the outfield either. No, and he, he's one of those guys that, like, every time he starts getting brought up, I'm just like, give him another week. Because, I mean, there was one time earlier in this year where he was really starting to struggle, and we talked about it a little bit, and then he just went on a tear. 
Yeah. And he, you know, you get him in the postseason, some of those big at bats he's had, that cutter he hit off of Bueller. I mean, he can hit a lot of different pitches and hit a lot of different pitching in big moments. I mean, he's just one of those guys that you want on his team and you just got to weather the storms with him. Man, he could hit some bad, uh, some, some bad pitches. I mean, that one some he hit the other night, foot top. Yeah. I mean, shoe top pitches, man. He is, uh, that dude could hit him all over the, all over, in and out of the zone. Yeah. Dylan Lee. Well, I mean, taking that submariner guy, you know, deep to dead center. Yeah. It's like, it's like unheard I, of, man. And the guy's weird response angle. said it all, too. What's that? The guy's response said it all, too. He's like, what the? It's like, no. Yeah. He knew yeah, it was gone like right away. Straight center. Yeah. Straight center. I don't know how you hit a pin. I've, I've said those guys that throw like, I, I don't know how you hit them. Like Moilo, when he was at his best. Yeah, especially the same side. I don't know how you hit those guys. Yeah, and you just you don't get that look enough to. It's like when a position player. Come, I'm always surprised. Lopez taking that position player deep that was throwing like 32 miles an hour. Yeah, I'm always surprised yeah. when when somebody hits those guys because your swing's just not built for that. So upper deck. <laughs> I mean, that's I always called them gimmick pitchers because I didn't think they were good. I just thought that they were relying on this weird arm angle and getting away with it. And it, it works because nobody sees it. So their swings aren't built for it. It's it, the ball's almost coming uphill. They mix in a slider, a different angle. And all of a sudden it's like almost impossible to fail like that. If you can throw strikes from those angles and he takes him four fifty dead center. Yeah. Like it was nothing. Uh, Dylan Lee, somebody pointed out he got rocked again last night. Yep, two of his last three outings there have been really bad. Uh, on August 15th and August 20th, last night, he gave up last night. The first, in the prior of those, on the 15th, one and a third innings, they wanted him, you know, get him past two or get him past an inning. He gave up three hits, three runs. Uh, he gave up a homer. No, and they did not give up a homer. Three hits, three runs in that one. And then last night, he goes in and he gives up four hits and two runs. So with one strikeout and one walk, they, you know, they, they're not, that's why they're not bringing him back till September because he just didn't look ready when they, when they, at first, when they sent him out, the plan was just to go out and, and pitch uh, two or three times and bring him back. And then they altered that plan because they said they didn't even need to have him throw back to back because he wouldn't be, you know, they they didn't need to see that. But then they they changed that and said, yeah, we want to build him up, have him go get multiple, <laughs> have him go back to back and work up. Yeah. Him. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, this was pitching two times in three days last night when he gave up those runs. So I'm not expecting to see him before rosters expand September 1st. But uh, he's just under that threshold of. A long enough track record where, yeah, I mean, you, you see it all the time. Your closer pulls a hamstring or something like that, and misses a couple weeks, and they go pitch one game, get torched, and they come back to the big leagues and they're normal. You know, it's like that game didn't matter at all. But he's just under that threshold because he's been so good. But yeah, I mean, he hasn't. You haven't seen him go on the DL and miss this much time. You know, in in recent years, that it's kind of like we're going to need you to have one good game before you know yeah. you can't you can't just be getting torched and and we bring you back and i think even as a player too you're like yeah maybe give me one more because i don't i would like to have an uh, uh an outing where i feel confident about what i'm doing and you know getting torched in triple a doesn't feel good 
And the, and the previous one was a clean, I should say, was a clean inning. He pitched a pre, the 18th three days ago, uh, also at Durham. So he pitched three times in that series. They play those godforsaken six-game series now. That's terrible. He pitched three times in that series at Durham against a good Durham team. Uh, and the previous inning was really was really strong. It was one inning, uh, nine pitches. Oh, yeah. No strikeouts, no walks. So uh, Get him one more good one and, and bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I bet if if he'd have gone out last night and had another clean one, he'd be activated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see, guys. Let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. What what, what is a, I saw a question here. I have to think that's it for Yanni. Hopefully, right. Uh, the thing is, it's under contractual contractual control for next year, and that's why the Braves have not given up on him. If he was going to be a free agent at the end of the year. They would have already released him, DFA'd him. But you don't just give up potential depth because the guy's still, I mean, he's got the potential to do it. We saw it. He's had games this year where, that were really good. So as an experienced guy, all kinds of experience, postseason, all that too. And it ain't costing you much money at all. So they at least want to give themselves that choice of, to make the offseason. You know, do we want to bring him back? Do we want to, you know, or, or release him? But give yourself that choice. It's depth. So, that's why he wasn't DFA'd. If he if he was going to be a pending free agent, they would have. So yeah. that's where you're at. Um. Oh, also, you were talking about Dylan Lee. It's sure making that Brad Hand acquisition look strong, huh? At the trade deadline, getting that other lefty. Yeah, I mean, it looks good regardless because <laughs> right, you can never have too many guys with lefties with really good sliders. But yeah, I mean, if it it's just the same concept. I mean, it just it gives Dylan Lee time to find it before you bring him back. It's you buy time with all these moves. And I think that's the Chirinos thing too, is it just, it, it's depth yeah. and it gives you time for other guys to get their footing and you don't have to rush guys back and you don't have to, you know, you can give your starters an extra day and do all these things. I mean, it, it's pretty apparent how they operate at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back to uh, another question from Robert. Cause he's asked a lot of questions here and on Twitter about uh, Soroka and Chirinos. And it's always along this lines here. And I just want to clarify because, I mean, I've tried and, and others have tried to clarify this, but some people don't want to don't want to acknowledge this, why the Braves do this. But I'm going to I'm going to say it one more time. And 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 uh, and I'm not being an ass. I'm just saying this is the reality of baseball. He says the question is, though, Soroka has to be better than Yanni Torino's. This isn't like high school football or co- where you line them up and the best guy gets the job and that's it. There is millions of dollars tied into all these decisions. Yanni Torinos is a guy, like I said, they have contractual control of after this year. He has, he's shown signs. He had the one game where that one start where he pitched really well. As you know, as you should know by what following the Braves by now, if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Alex Anthopoulos values depth as much as he values anything. Depth. Yeah. He wants depth. He does not want to get caught in a situation where he's having to put foot pitch bullpen games in the World Series or the NLPS, or where he's having to make a trades for you know four relievers at the deadline again and all that. So that said, Soroka has options. He's in his last option year. They can move him up and down five times. That's why they've done that with several guys. Torinos doesn't have options. If you if you try to move Yanni Torinos, you lose him. He's gone. People are like, well, you won't be losing anything. You're losing depth. You have a couple more injuries. 
You don't have the option of pitching him. If you have injuries now, you have the option of pitching Soroka. You're not losing Soroka by sending him down. So he's always protecting his depth. You're not just looking at like it's spring training. We see it. We see this on every team every year where somebody hits or pitches much better than somebody that makes the opening day roster. Yep. Because you don't don't just line them up. Right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I went on. That's just that's just how it goes. You know, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, and it's something that you have to. It's kind of like you got to pay your dues as far as options go, and get to the point where you don't have them. And Torino's has where you get these opportunities now because teams don't want to lose you. But when a team can keep you, and there's another guy that's performing similarly or slightly slightly worse, but they have to fear losing him if if they try to sneak them through waivers or anything like that, it's, it turns into a no brainer for teams because of that reason. Everybody knows how much depth matters now. It's just invaluable. I mean, we, it, it, you don't want to be in a situation. It worked out for them in 2021. Amazingly. Cause they, you know, they got some huge hits and they got some couple of guys stepped up and pitched beyond their, you know, what, what you, their wildest imagination, like Kyle Wright. Yeah. But you do not want to be in a situation where you're having to turn to, you know, just roll the dice and start guys and pitch guys with no experience uh, and hope that it works out again. You want to at least have depth and experienced guys that you can turn to when you're trying to win as many games as you can, hold on to home field advantage and all that. So, but it's just that, that argument, or it's not even an argument that, that it, people should quit acting surprised that one person doesn't necessarily, it feels like he's getting screwed with a short shrift just because, uh, you know, he might be pitching better or has a higher ceiling. He's got more upside for us in the future. Well, of course he does. We're not talking about the future, though. We're talking about now, winning now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, they want, they, Alex wants to be great in the future. That's why he makes so many of the moves he makes where uh, he signs guys with, uh, with, uh, or trades for guys with contractual control. But they also want to win now. So they're not, trying guys out that they are pitching guys just because they, they like their upside more than the current guy, you know, it's a balancing act. You want to win now and be strong for the future, but depth is just, it's just huge in this game. Yeah. I mean, how many guys do you see? I mean, throughout the league that get, you're asking the question, how'd they possibly get put on waivers or how, how did this team let them go and teams yeah. pick up guys for free and wind up flipping yeah. them for a piece that matters like Lopez. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, these guys have value whether they're pitching well right now or not. Yeah. Like when the Mets didn't protect Winans, you know, cause he didn't throw hard enough, you know, exactly. even though he had a one seventy ERA that year. That- and then two weeks later, you see him throwing seven Shetty against you or having a great start. It's yeah. That's what the, that's where you don't want to find yourself by giving up on guys too easily or just, you know, really what you want to avoid is giving them away for free. Yeah. They're big league players. Tonkin. Robert asked, how good has Tonkin been? Man, that was, yeah, that was an unreal. That's another guy <laughs> that they got for nothing just by being alert to guys that are out there available. These guys that have these stories like Jackson Stevens, they, you know, he hadn't done it this year. He's been in AAA, but man, they got a hell of a half season from him when they needed it badly. And Tonkin has just been invaluable. Guys that come from nowhere, pitch overseas and in indie ball leagues, and you think they would give it up, but their wife talks them into continuing to pitch, which happened with Tonkins and Stevens. And and uh, Matzik, all of them had a wife that told them, "No, you got to keep doing it. If you love doing it, keep doing it." All three of those guys. Yeah, I mean, even even my personal story. You know, the, the Mariners put me on waivers, thinking nobody picked me up, and yeah, 
Braves snatched me up right away, and I had five good years for the Braves. Yeah, exactly. You came over with, what, an 80 or A or something? I remember when they got you, we were like going, this guy's got like an 80 or A. What, what are they seeing? Yeah. Even the, I had a 20.25 in 2008. I mean, I just got torched and I hurt my back and my value couldn't have been lower. And even the clubbies were, you know, Ben Acri and, and Josh Hall were giving me shit. Like we were wondering <laughs> why the hell we need this guy, you know? And I, I think, you know, I had a good spring, but I still finished the spring with a nine ERA. And when I made the team, I was answering questions on that. Like, how'd you make this team? You had a 20 <laughs> last year and a nine ERA this spring. It was one bad game in the spring, but still, you know, it looked <laughs> bad on paper. And yeah, I didn't get off to a great start that April. And you, you just, you're always, you're trying not to pay attention, but you're hearing the stuff people are saying, or you're getting a vibe. Yeah. And it's like, you know, next thing you know, that confidence they showed in me and something clicked and I had, I had a really good run for free. You know, I mean, I don't think it cost them anything to grab me, maybe 50 grand on waivers, whatever it uh-huh. was. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you, <laughs> it's all just, part of Oventbro. Yep. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy to think about, but that's why teams don't want to give up on guys when they see these flashes out of them because they're they think they can get more out of them. Um going back to Tonkin, how good is he has he been? I just looked it up. Innings uh in the majors, relief innings. That dude is four fifth, six seventh in the majors in relief innings with sixty-three innings and thirty-two appearances. And the leader is Jake Bird with Colorado with 69. He's only six off the leader. And like the, the two, three guys ahead of him are only 64 and two-thirds, 64 and a third, 64 and a third. So with two more innings, he would be fourth in the majors in the innings. Yeah, and he's and one of those guys like, you watch and don't understand how he was ever bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. with, with his arm angle and the stuff he has. Uh-huh. It just, uh, it shocks me that he was able to fail with that stuff. And of the top, 12 guys in innings, he's one of only two guys with a sub-1 whip. He's got an 098 whip. The other is Which Tyler is, Holton. With for Detroit. relievers, that's probably the number one you know, stat you want to look at. Uh-huh. Yeah, walks and hits for inning. Yeah, that's that's crucial with relievers, obviously. The only guy ahead of him is Tyler Holton as far as the top 12 in innings, and that guy's having an incredible season with Detroit. 168 yeah. ERA, 084 whip and 169 tyler holton looks like a guy that the Braves should pursue next year <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah that's uh tonkin has been tremendous and you know he'll have a bad game maybe give up a couple of runs or some inherited runs and people are like oh okay he's coming back to reality no that that happens you're not going to be great every time out when you're used that much but man on balance 63 innings 47 hits 15 walks and 54 strikeouts he's got more than a Three to one walk strikeouts to walk ratio. Yeah, it's funny when you it you know depending on how the team acquires you or what your numbers were the year before it, you you always have to fight that um, narrative I guess with <laughs> that you're going to start sucking again. But yeah, in, it, you get this deep into the season, you know I, I feel pretty confident about the guy that he's made some changes and he's where he needs to be. Yeah, McHugh's strikeout rate way down. Yeah, it is. McHugh has not been himself this year. Fortunately, Tonkin has picked up a lot of that slack in that role, similar role. Um, last thing, uh, we got to go here. But, uh, oh, the option on Rosario, $9 million option. Um, I would have said earlier, you know, no freaking way. But uh, who knows, man? I mean, it depends on what's out there. Obviously, before they have to make that decision, they're evaluating what's out there, what they might potentially get. 
Uh, but, you know, people that suggest like Duvall, I mean, we love Duvall too, but uh, he gets hurt a lot. You know, the way he plays, yep. making those the kind of catches he tries. He's, he's, got, he's had all kinds of risk problems. Those don't get better as you get older. They get worse because your wrist becomes, when you've torn the ligaments and all that, stretched them, you become so vulnerable that, you know, he's banged it against a wall and hurt it. He's done it on the grass a couple of times, turned around. So those don't help you um, as you get older. But uh, with Rosario's known quality and known quantity, and if you could have another, especially if you could have another guy at a, at a like a Pilar that you trust as a, as a platoon guy, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, $9 million in today's game. That's Good chemistry much. guy. Nah, great chemistry guy. Everybody loves Eddie in the clubhouse. So, you know, you don't want to just – you want to keep the, the thing together as much as you can. That's how I feel about afford, it. You're right. And you lose guys, you know, to free agency that are going to make $25, 30000000 a year. Um, so if you can hang on to the other guys that you can afford, maybe they're not the best guy on the team, but they help you keep it all together, the thing you got going. Yeah, I, I just – it's like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you can keep as much of this thing going as possible, he's not going to command 20 mil. I mean – I always look at it like I'm like, just take some of the money you'd be paying any of those long-term deals that are about half price and throw it to him and keep the, keep the squad together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I said, sorry, we didn't get to all these uh, questions here, but we appreciate you guys listening and uh, we'll do this again. We'll have a regular podcast, uh, from San Francisco, probably maybe let's see. Yeah. On Friday, we'll look to do that. Uh, big road trip coming up for the Braves after they do this. After they get this series against the Mets, they'll look to sweep the Mets because that's what they do against the Mets these days, look to sweep them. Uh, and then you go on the road. you got a tough road trip because San Francisco is playing for their lives, for their postseason lives. Then you go to Colorado where it's really never easy. Anything can happen. Yeah. yeah, anything can happen. And then you go to Dodger Stadium, and right now the Dodgers are really hot Oof. and playing good baseball. And that's been a – that's been a tough place for the Braves to play for years and years. They've had some few good series there, but not many. So that's a tough road trip coming up. Braves need to finish off a really good homestand. They're five and one on the homestand, three games against the Mets. And then they go on the road. And their magic number is now like down to 26, maybe or so. Something, I think 26 or 27. All right. Yeah, that's, that's a it. tough trip. <laughs> All right. 755 is real. We appreciate it, everybody. Thank you.